1 Peter 4.17 For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? I want to read that verse again. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just bow before you today. We ask that you would help us. Lord, would you speak? Lord, would you anoint? Lord, would you move by your great power? Lord, would you quicken us? Lord, would you come, Lord, in this house today? Would you, Lord, break through in the lives and the in the in the hearts today and the mindsets? Lord, we are praying, Lord, that you would fill this place with your power, with your glory. Fill us with a fresh faith. Lord, fill us this morning with the joy of the Lord. Fill us, Lord, with the power of your Spirit. Lord, would you do a work, Lord? We ask that the parameters that we unconsciously, unconsciously so often place upon the Holy Spirit, Lord, we pray that graciously you would remove every every hindrance and every barrier and everything that we would place to hinder the Almighty this morning. And we ask that you would blow into this house by the power of your Spirit and your name would be lifted up Lord, that the time surely has come. Lord, the time has come, Lord, for you to work a work in our day. Lord, we give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' precious name. Amen. There's coming a day. This verse, I've heard it preached many times. I've preached it a few times myself. Those preachers that are here, I'm sure, have referred to it or preached on it also. But... There comes a moment or a time. There's a time that comes in God's time, in God's season. He's sovereign. He's above everything. Nothing takes him by surprise. But there comes a time. The Bible says here that judgment begins at the house of God. And I want to make clear to you this morning that the house of God you will know is that spiritual house that we're referring to the gathering of God's people, the church of Jesus Christ, those that are washed in the blood and born of the Spirit, we are the house of God. Peter here writes, and it seems very sobering, and I believe it is, that there's a time comes in the midst of everything that's happening that God begins to deal with his church. He begins to do a work in the midst of his house, and it must begin here first. It's in the context of a, of a day that we come of calamities and trials and difficulties and turmoil and shakings and fear and all the things that we are currently witnessing in our world today. That in the midst of that, there's a time then that God, in the midst of all of that, which we are a part of, you know, the Bible says that it rains on the just and the unjust. We are going through this as much as everyone else in this world. But thank God we have a hope that they do not have. But we are experiencing everything that they're experiencing. The fears that come, we know that we haven't got that spirit of fear, but we have to keep the door closed to it. 
Because it's a real tangible fear. And so as we see all these things that are, that are happening at this present time, God says in the midst of that calamity, there's a time. And, and brothers and sisters, I believe this is the time. You know, I believe the time has come. I believe that this is a divine time. I believe that God is working in the midst of it all. We know that that, that, that whole system, the spirit of Antichrist is at work. But I want to tell you, above all of that, there is an almighty God that's working. And his purposes are being fulfilled. And the time has come. That there is a judgment would take place in the house of God. Now, I want to make it clear so that you understand. Because when you hear the word judgment, sometimes that can cause us to be afraid. Because we know that that in, in the sight of God as God's children, we will not stand on that great judgment day at the great white throne. Praise God this morning. We have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We are not appointed to wrath. But praise the Lord, we're going home with Jesus. So we know this judgment is not a judgment in the like of being judged at the great white throne. This is a chastisement that's going to come in to God's house. This is when God in his great love, because we are his children, and and know this this morning as the children of God, thank God this morning whom he loves, what does he do? He chastises us in his love to bring us into the place that he would desire for us. This word judgment here in 1 Peter 4 and 17 is the Greek word krema, which simply means, and one of the commentators says, the severe trial that would come that would determine the character of that house. So the trial that would come would bring forth the true character of God's people in that day. The, the, the whole purpose of that judgment would be to bring forth a true a representation of everything of who Jesus Christ is because that's what this world needs to see. It's had enough of religion. It's had enough of all the stuff that goes on in the name of Jesus Christ and don't see Christ for who he is. And so God, because of the honor of his name, because of Jesus Christ and him alone, will do a work and amongst his body, the church of Jesus Christ, a judgment, the trials are going to bring forth a true faith in these days. Now some this morning might be already concerned about where we're going with this, thinking that in some way believing a fake gospel that says for the Christian that there's no hardships, it's just all health and wealth. But we know that's not the truth, isn't that right? We, we know that that's not the truth this morning. Jesus looked Simon in the eye and said these words in Luke 22 and 31. He said, Simon, Simon. And this is, this is the truth this morning. He said, Satan has desired to have you to sift you as wheat. This is not a health and wealth gospel. This is the truth God looked God in Christ looked at Peter in the eyes and said, Simon, Simon, 
The devil has desired to have you, to sift you, to try you as wheat. But I'm praying for you that your faith does not fail. And Jesus then also said, and when you are converted, you're going to strengthen the brethren. In other words, when you come through your trial, he's telling them there is a trial, but he's also telling them, praise God, you're going to come through your trial. You know, this morning, friends, you may be in the trial, but I can tell you this morning when you're walking with Jesus, you're coming out of that trial. Know this this morning before you ever went into it. He knows everything about it, and he's a faithful God, but he's going to bring us through to the other side. And so we know there's a trial of our faith, as Peter says here in 1 Peter at the beginning of our reading in chapter 4. The honor of his name, that's Christ. The honor of his name, the glory that's due to his name, and the desire that Jesus Christ has for a broken world. Listen to me this morning. All rests on a true representation of him through his body. The responsibility of all of that, and I know that's a big word and people don't like responsibility today. But the responsibility of the representation of who he is on this earth has been left with the church of Jesus Christ. Do you see that as an awesome thing? Is it not an awesome thing this morning? He's left the responsibility to reach a world with his church. He's given us the great commission, but he hasn't left us without the ability to do it because he said, I'll give you the power of the Holy Ghost. The time has come. All what's happening in our world, and I'm not going to dwell on it this morning, but all I know is this, that it is the spirit of Antichrist that is rising rapidly, but is God's purpose to bring forth the church of Jesus Christ. There will be, listen, a true representation of Jesus on this earth before the rapture. There will be a manifestation and a demonstration of this kingdom. In these last days, brothers and sisters, there will be a demonstration of the kingdom of God with power that brings glory to his name, that brings honor to the name of Jesus Christ and reaches a lost and a broken world with the gospel. What is happening above everything else is that God is allowing the world to go the way it's going. And in the purpose of that, the time has come. Would you say, for the time has come? For the time has come that God is going to do a work in His house. And I don't know about you, but I want to say this this morning. I say, God, would you do it? Would you do it in me? If you turn with me this morning, I want to show you God's purpose. Mark chapter 11 and verse 12. We're going to read together Mark chapter 11 and verse 12 through to verse 26. Mark 11 verse 12 through to verse 26. And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came, if haply he might find anything thereon. 
And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, he spoke to the tree, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And the disciples heard it. And they came, and they come to Jerusalem. Jesus went into the temple, began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple, overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. And we would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And he taught unto them, saying, It is written, My house shall be called a house, called of all nations the house of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. The scribes and the chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him, because all the people were astonished at his doctrine. When the even was come, he went out of the city, and in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling remembrance, said unto him, Master, behold the fig tree, which now cursed is withered away. And Jesus, answering, said unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, removed and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, What things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. When ye stand praying, forgive if ye have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Let me share a few things this morning just about this amazing account and relate this to what we're talking about. Bethany was the hometown, I believe in many respects, Bethany was the hometown really of Christ during his ministry. It was the place that he felt very much welcome. I suppose in the natural as a man, because he was fully man and fully God, but as a man and also as God in the flesh, when you come to Bethany, you know that the Lord felt that there was people there that loved him. You remember the famous individuals that were there at Bethany. You remember Martha and Mary and Lazarus, whom he raised from the dead. Miracles happened at Bethany. You remember it was Mary that anointed him with the precious ointment in that house of Simon the leper. You know, that was a nickname that Simon probably ended up having, even though that we know as Christ sat in Simon the leper's house, Simon the leper was no more a leper because everywhere he went, he healed their diseases, but the name probably stuck with them. Like when you meet some of your old friends, they might still call you by your old nickname. I'm not going to tell you what mine was, but you still meet them. And so in some ways, Simon the leper was still remembered as Simon the leper, even though he was cleansed from his leprosy. And so when Jesus came to Bethany, you know, it tells us that the name actually means the house of the poor. And the Bible says that the poor heard him gladly. He found a place where they would tend to him, where they would serve him, where, where he would heal their diseases and their sicknesses, where he would raise their dead. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, he hasn't changed. He still raises the dead. He still cleanses the leper. He still sets the prisoner free. He found a place that he was comfortable to dwell. 
This is a place he would come to and he could rest there because he was welcome. They wanted him to be amongst them. When he took sick, send the word and get Jesus because when he comes, we know he'll cleanse our brother. We love Jesus. When Jesus comes, they fall at his feet and they worship him. And in the midst of all of that, we know the story so well. It was Lazarus who had died, was raised gloriously from the grave and set wonderfully free. This was a place that Jesus was welcome. But what a contrast from Bethany right down into Jerusalem. It would be a journey that you would love to do with the Lord because as you walk from Bethany, I believe it to be this way. I've never been, but you come to the Mount of Olives and then you descend down maybe about two miles and you come into the hub or the center of all the religious activity of that world. It had the temple. It had all the the different sects of religion, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It had all the goings on, all the mechanics of religion. And in between these two, these two places, the city of Jerusalem and this little humble town called Bethany, you'll find this fig tree in the midst of that journey. And the fig tree was crucial to the spiritual truth that we're going to look at this morning. As they're walking, we note that the Bible tells us here that Jesus was hungry. Now, I I just thought about that for a moment. I know for sure that if he was in Bethany, you know that Mary and Martha were looking after him in the natural. You know that they were busy about serving the Lord and making sure that he was fed and, and he was looked after. So it struck me that very early in the journey that Jesus was hungry. But this was not a natural hunger. This was not a natural hunger. As God, he was looking for something much more than the natural. He was looking for something much more than the substance of the temporal. As God, he was coming in the flesh and he was about to bring forth a spiritual truth that's so apt for us today. He's seen that the fig tree and fig trees are significant in the Bible. Actually, the first time that you'll read of fig trees or fig leaves is way back in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 7. What happened there? Adam and Eve ate of that tree that they were told not to eat of. And they sinned against God at that time. And then they realized at that moment, what did they realize? That they were suddenly naked. And what did they do? Well, they went and they got fig leaves, sewed them together, and they covered themselves at that moment. It's so significant, the fig tree. You know, when the fruit fell in Bible days and in the Eastern nations, when there was a sign that the fruit fell on the fig tree, it was a sign of national calamity. Something was terribly wrong. Friends, this morning... You know, our parents, our first parents, Adam and Eve, they hid in amongst those bushes, got those fig leaves, hid from God as it were, and God comes looking for Adam in that garden and says, Adam, where are you? What was he doing? He was hiding. Do you know that nature of man is still the same today? There's always this thing about man or woman that they want to hide away from God with some form of religion or some type of facade, some way that they can hide away from God. But yet God knows where everyone in this room is. 
He knows where we are spiritually. He knows where we are, whether we're saved or we're not saved, or what we're thinking or what's going through our minds. But yet we hide, just like Adam and Eve, behind those fig leaves. Thank God this morning for the blood of Jesus Christ. Because that's the only cover we've got this morning. To be covered, covered, covered in his blood. But here we see that God, Jesus, is about to bring forth the spiritual truth. He's hungry. Bible says in John 15 and verse 8, Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So Jesus comes in and he's looking, he's craving. That word hunger actually means he's craving something. Do you know God has desires? Do you know God has desires? So often it's all about my desires and give me the desires of my heart and give me what I want, Lord, and Lord, do you? But you know God has a desire also. That God, by the Holy Spirit, comes into this room this morning just like he was taking that journey from Bethany to Jerusalem and he sees all the activity on the outward and pray that that's just something that's already in the heart. And so he approaches into this place by the Spirit of God and God has a desire. He's looking something from our lives. He's desiring fruit that is produced by the power of the Holy Ghost to a life that is consecrated and surrendered to him and living and drawn from that vine. We are, he is the vine, we are the branches and we're drawn out of that river, the Holy Ghost, and there's fruit in our lives and the Holy Spirit comes and says, Father, you be glorified at the fruit that's being produced in this life. It's all of you, it's a wonderful thing and God is craving that fruit because that's where he's glorified. Friends, this morning I don't know where you might be or what you think or your spiritual temperature or whether you're cold or hot or indifferent. But friends, we're living in a day of great lukewarmness where many are neither hot nor cold and they're hiding behind fig leaves, a religious activity, but no intimacy with Christ, no personal encounter. And the Lord stands at that tree And he's about to show these disciples something that's going to really impact their ministry. He stands at that tree and here the Lord is speaking to a tree. And what does he say? He curses the tree. Says that there'll be no fruit that would grow in this. No man eat the fruit here thereafter. And his disciples hear it. And now they continue on their journey descending right in to Jerusalem. Look at verse 15. And they were come to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple. And he began to cast out them that sold and bought the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and would not suffer that any man would carry any vessel through the temple. And he taught and said unto them, Is it not written, My house shall be called shall be called of all nations the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and the chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him, because all the people were astonished at his doctrine. Now you know this morning, this is, this is actually quite profound if you know this story at all but it's a profound story 
He's, he's left Bethany. What a place Bethany was. What a, what, a, what, a, what a village it would have been part of. The house of poverty where the miracles are flowing. The life of Jesus is touching lives. Lepers are being cleansed. And now he comes down to the hub of religious activity. You know, disciples were so caught up with this. We know in Matthew 24, when they're walking out of Jerusalem, they say, Lord, come on and have a seat here in the Mount of Olives. Lord, just look round. What do you think of the buildings? Look at the wonder of the temple. They were so caught up with the buildings, with the religious activity. And so here we see the Lord coming down into his house. That is the house of God in the Old Testament. That building, that's where God has appointed his name. This is where there'll be a true representation of everything that I am. Right at this place. This is where that sacrifice will be made. That you can come and meet with me. And my glory will come down into that altar. Consume that sacrifice. And the nations of the earth will know that that me as almighty God. I'm down meeting with my people Israel. This was the center of the entire world for God to come to. And now here God is coming. You know it. Here God is coming in the flesh. The same God of that Old Testament. The one that appeared between the cherubims above the mercy seat. Jesus Christ now in the flesh is coming down the Mount of Olives. And he's walking in to that temple that represents, so-called represents everything of who he is. How far away from the truth it was. And as he enters in, he sees the money changers. And we've looked at this before, but you know those money changers sat at the gate. And as the people came, Jesus himself was brought as a baby. They were so poor they couldn't afford a lamb in order to sacrifice. So they got turtle doves. But to get the sacrifice, the first thing you had to do was exchange your money for the shackles. But the exchange rate was extortionate. So they were fleecing the people for the exchange rate. And so the poor were coming to make their sacrifice in order for the covering for their lives. But the money changers were sitting there appointed by the temple in order to fleece the people. And the people were broke than nothing. But yet they were fleecing the money from them. That's religion, folks. That's religion. And you think it's changed? It hasn't changed one bit. And so you'd get your offering and you would go in and you'd make your offering. And they were buying and selling and exchanging in the house of God. They'd set up all their tables. They had everything in place. They had all the religious activity. The Pharisees were making an absolute clean fortune. Everyone was happy with what was going on. There was plenty of activity. People were carrying their vessels for a shortcut through the house of God. But there's no shortcuts to heaven. There's no easy way in, friends. The Bible says straight is the gate. Narrow is the way that leads to heaven. But today, friends, everybody can come. You don't have to take up your cross. You don't have to deny yourself. You can just have it all and live whatever way you want. It's a false gospel. It's a false gospel. And so Jesus walks into the temple. What does he do? You know, I was telling this to a man the other day, an unsaved man, and he couldn't believe it that that happened. He couldn't believe, he couldn't believe that Jesus would do such a thing. He had a picture in his mind presented to him from whatever 
Now Jesus would never do such a thing, but he goes into that temple and he begins to pull their tables over. He begins to rack the place. He begins to chase them out of the place because he had a desire. The seed of his house was eating them up. Religion had misrepresented everything of who he is. All the religious activity, all the fig leaves, all the stuff that creeps into the church and builds up over decades and even centuries. All that religion and all that junk that comes in. And we say, this is God. And God's saying, that's not me. That isn't me. And what happens is, friends, when all those religious systems are built and established after hundreds of years, do you know what happens? The broken and the poor and the maimed and the drug addict and the homosexual and the, and, the, and the drunkards and the broken homes and the people that are suicidal and the young people that have no hope and don't know where to turn to, they no longer see God. They see religion and they say, we don't want anything to do with that. They see the church splits. They see the fighting over buildings and over bricks. They see all the religious activity. They see all the stuff going on and they're saying, no, that's not, even the word, no, it's not God. Even the word will not go. Jesus walks into that temple. That's a representation of him. Remember, for the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. Here's the center of it all. But yet there was no representation of him. Everything of who he was and who he is was nowhere to be seen in that temple that men claimed Men claimed that this is representing God. But for there to be a true representation, God would bring a chastisement to his house. There would be a cleansing that would take place in order for the power of God to move. Brothers and sisters, this morning, I want you to stay with me. The Bible says in Psalm 102, 13, Thou shalt arise and have mercy upon Zion, for the time to favor her, yea, the set time has come. You remain with me every second, if you could. There's a time in God. You know, we have seen some great things in church history, God moving in revival power. We read off them. I was reading about Finney just a week ago. We were away for a week there. I was reading about Finney. You know, I want to tell you something. God spoke to me that day really clearly and says, you need to know the personality of the Holy Ghost. You need to know the personality of the Holy Ghost. You know, Finney went to a church in London, a church of about 1,500 people. I don't want to, I know it's yesterday, but I tell you, friends, we can draw from men who walk with God. We can draw from men that done great exploits from God with God. I know there's Finneys and there's Spurgeons and their doctrines maybe didn't meet together, but these men did walk with God. And we're not trying to re redo what they did, but what I want to know is, friends, this morning, is the God that they serve, the God that's in this house. And I'm telling you, friends, he is. And so Finney went to this church, 1,500 people, and he preached and he preached, and the minister of the church said, Listen, we don't do appeals. We don't do altar calls. None of the people will move anyway. Nobody's interested. Just preach. 
And Finney preached, but he knew the personality of the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost began to move on the people. And he asked the minister at the end of the week, have you got a room that I could use for those that wanted to inquire after the things of God? And he said, yes, I have a room. It's like a crash room at the back of the church. It holds about 30. Finney said, it's too small. Have you anything bigger? He says, well, with another minor hall, and it would hold about 200. Finney says to him, to the minister, but it's too small. I need something bigger. And the man says, well, all we have is another separate hall, but it's down the street. You go left, you go through an alleyway, and there's a hall there holds about 1,500. And Finney says, that's the hall that I want. And the minister says, I'm having nothing to do with this. I know these people. They'll never move. But Finney knew the personality of the Holy Ghost and the power and the authority of God's Word. And so he preached, and he made the appeal and he says, if you're interested in getting right with God, 1,500 religious people in that hall, then you make your way through those doors. You turn left down that street and you go to this minor hall and I'll meet you there. He said the minister went to the window because everyone went right to go home. But he went to the window to see if anyone went left. And Finney says, everyone, 1,500 people, turn left. And went into that room and the glory of God came and men were saved and set free. The minister didn't even believe in himself. Fig leaves, friends. Fig leaves of religion that hinder. I want to tell you, friends, I don't want to hinder God this morning. I don't want to hinder God in this church. I don't want to limit the Holy One of Israel. I know it's right that we have to get a right balance. But let me ask you, what is that right balance? Here's the balance this morning. Does Jesus raise the dead? That's the balance this morning. Does he truly set the leper free? Does he truly set those that are demon-possessed free? Does he truly deliver people from the depths that are self-harming and in caves and are crying all night for someone to set them free? Here's the balance. Is he the one that heals all diseases or just some? Is he the one that heals the cancer, Stephen? Is he the one that heals the AIDS victims? Is he the one that breaks every chain and sets the prisoner free? Here's the balance. But religion brings all a lot of stuff in to try and bring in the hedges and bring us away down into this. We, we part here. And if something just happens along the road, oh, that was great, God done that. But get back down into your religious mode on Sunday morning. Whatever you do, don't get excited about God. Don't start believing for the impossible. Don't start believing for the healings. Does he heal MS? Does he set prisoners free? Does he cleanse? Does he touch the free life on this floor this morning and heal every cyst in our brain? Friends, this morning we live in God. We bring him away down into the four walls and then he just our we meeting. Friends, this morning we serve an awesome God. Is he a God that revives? Is he a God that breaks through? Is he a God that sends us showers of blessing? Is he a God that sweeps into our room and there's not a man or a woman can sit in their seat but fall on their face and cry out, God, he's in the midst. Is he still a baptizer in the Holy Ghost? Is he still one that comes in all his power and all his glory with those that are in besetting sins and sets them gloriously free? Is that our God? Oh, brother, you need to get a balance. What's that balance? You need to make sure you keep it back in with the Pharisees and the Sadducees here. Because they were really annoyed 
of what he taught. They were, now you don't want to go too hyper. You don't want to get too radical. That's what you don't want, man. You don't want to get too radical. I mean, you don't want to overdo it here. So I ask you, just stay. Just stay all close to him. No, no, no. You stay where you Don't you get up. Don't you sing. Don't you praise God. Don't you enter into what God has for you. Just you sit there. We've got a, a religious big coat for you to keep you bound. But I tell you, Jesus has come to set you free. Amen. 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 Oh, yes. Uh, we've been doing this for 300 years. Oh, God. That was the problem. That was the problem. He's coming down. He says, you remember that big tree? Those disciples are saying, we're going to the temple. This is so exciting. The Lord's with us. We're going to have a great time. Wonder what he's going to do. I tell you, did they think he was going to do what he thought? He got those tables and he threw them out of them. He got the hold of those money changers that were fleecing the people. Fleecing them. He got those that were using the house of God for a shortcut. He got the hold and says, you're not going to be in my house. My house is going to be a house of prayer for all people. Friends, this morning, this story is actually about a true faith in God. The Bible tells us what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe. Think about that. The exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe. Think about that this morning. The exceeding greatness of God's power to usward who believe this morning. According to the working of his mighty power. Jesus is standing in the temple. Judgment has come to the house. I want to tell you, friends, this morning, I want God to deal with me. I want God to deal with me. If I put anything to limit God, the Holy One, if there's anything in my mindset, anything in my religious mood, anything because we can all get it, but it's me this morning, but if there's anything that's limiting the Holy One of Israel in this house this morning in my life, in my mindset, in my religious mood, and all that I've been through in all the years, and everything that's been handed down, the faint tradition of our fathers, but if there's anything this morning, why? Because I want to see the God of this big move mightily. I want to see a revival in, in Ballina Hinch and across this land. I want to see our young people reach. I want to see them on fire for God, who see a God, who know God. They don't know their God and do exploits. Our young people doing exploits for God. Going out into that world with the power of the Holy Ghost and the Word of God. I believe that God will bring them in by the power of His Spirit. So religion will say, no, no. Keep us quiet. Keep us tied down. There's always that, you know, what do you call that big giant that was tied down? Gulliver, was that, is that the name of him? Ever, you know, just another wee religious strap around him. There's his arm down. Hey, I'm trying to trace him. Look, get the other arm down. Then the next time, the next thing, they want to gag you. Just make us all religious, you know. Friends of Jesus craving the fruit, craving to come into a place like Bethany that says, Lord, we want to serve you. Lord, we have a precious ointment. You know, it's the last that I have, but you know, I've seen Jesus. What I want to do is I want to anoint the Lord this morning. I want to give him this sacrifice. I want to come into his house this morning and get on my knees and weep and thank God for saving me and what he's done in my life and how he's blessed us. We want to get into a place with God that we're not worried about what people think. And religion's always trying to come in like a dark cloak just to come over the whole thing, to bring it away down, to cool it off. But Jesus came to that house. 
A wonderful thing happened in the account of Matthew chapter 21 and verse 14 when Jesus cleansed the temple. Then we see his true purpose for his house, the house of God. Matthew 21 and verse 14 This is where I get excited, if you don't mind. Matthew 21, verse 14. But the house is cleansed. Judgment has come. He's chastised his house. And then what does it say? And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple. And look at what it says. And he healed them. Praise the Lord. When it was cleansed, what happens? We're not to fear the chastisement of the Lord or the cleansing of the Lord or God bringing a judgment to his house. You know what happens? The doors burst open and then the blind and the lame come and he heals them all. Is that what we want to see? Is that what we're longing? The reality of God in our midst? But when the chief priest, we need to read it, And the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did. Look at this. These men actually seen what Jesus was doing. They seen the blind healed, the lame walking. They were coming in. Cripples couldn't walk. Being carried into the temple of God. And Jesus was touching them. Suddenly cripples were jumping up out of their chairs. And they were praising the Lord in the temple. And when the Pharisees and the Sadducees seen what he did. Boy, they were sore displeased. Can you believe that? Think about it. Did you think that? Think about it for a moment. Can you believe that? Why would someone seeing a healing of cancer in a man in this house? Why would someone be displeased? Think about it this morning. Come on and think. What I would Stephen will tell you himself. Some people didn't get it. True or not, Stephen? Some people didn't get. It. They're still trying to work it out intellectually about you know the scar, but. Let me tell you, friend, what happened. The almighty God of heaven and earth stretched forth his hand and took the hold of that tumor and took it out of there. That's what happened. But you see, the religious, even though they seen the wonderful things that he did, wow, we're not happy about this. Oh, hold on, healing for today. And then all the questions come. Let me tell you, friends, all the questions that come, why? Why him, not him? Let me tell you something, friends. This is what I believe. If we break the barriers in our minds and the religious, you know, the religious tracks that are in the church today, see if we, by the grace of God, allow him to pull all that down, all the mechanics of religion. Let me tell you something. Every person that's sitting in this room this morning will be healed instantly by the power of God. I know I might struggle for some, but let me tell you something. That's what I believe. They were sore displeased. And he and said unto him, Hear thou what they say. Hear thou what they say. And Jesus said unto him, Have you never read? Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise. We're talking about a perfected praise. That's an awesome thing, isn't it? He perfected a praise in that house. What a day that was to be in God's house in Jerusalem. What a moment that was. The place is absolutely alive with people rejoicing. Our church doesn't do that. Let me tell you, friends, that's religion. Our tradition tells us we're to sit quietly and never open our mouth. Let me tell you something, as I said to that man the other day. Listen, there was a lame man at a gate. He had been crippled from his birth. He was a beggar. Peter and John are going to the temple to pray. We know the story. 
and they haven't much either. They're ignorant, unlearned fishermen. They're not wealthy men. They're just ordinary men. But this man looks at them and says, I need anything for me. And Peter says, we won't have anything. That's, they, were, they were broke themselves. But I tell you, they were might have been broken and natural, but they certainly weren't broke spiritually. That's the only way about today, folks. We have the abundance in the, in the material things, but there is a desperate famine spiritually. And he says, silver and gold have I none, such as I have in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. The Bible says the power came into that man's ankles right at that moment. The power of God came right down. And what did he do? Walking and leaping and praising the Lord. Now that's what the Lord has done this set of ankles. I tell you something much greater than all of that that then they are that he saved you. That then they are that he lifted you out of a horrible pit. That then they are that he broke the chains of sin. That then they are when Satan had a grip in your life and in your mind and you didn't know where to turn or who you were going to turn to and the devil was tempting you even to take your own life but by the mercy of God he reached away down deep and he pulled you out this morning, friends. I tell you, that's enough to be walking and leaping and praising the Lord. But they were sore displeased. We got to know there's going to be people that are sore displeased. We live in a world where everybody likes to be liked. Do you think they like me? I had to find out very quickly in Balna Hinch they don't. <laughs> but it's all right. I love them. But friends, if we truly want to see God move in our day, thank God for what he done on Finney's day. I thank God for the 1904 revival. I thank God for the 1959 revival. I thank God for the 1859 revival in Ulster. I thank God for how God used a black man in 1904. He wasn't even allowed to sit in the class. He wasn't even allowed into the room, but God said, he's my man. And God took that black man and used William Seymour to bring in a revival in Azusa Street that swept the nations of the world. He takes the nobodies, the rejected those that are nothings, the people from Bethany, the poor heard him gladly, but the religious. And we can have all this religion, friends. We can have it all. We can have all the goings on, all the apparatus, and it all looks good, sounds good, plays out good. But friends, this morning what we need is the power of the Holy Ghost. What's the lesson this morning? Here's the lesson. In verse 19 of our reading in Mark 11, And as evening was come, he went out of the city. And in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter called the remembrance and said unto him, Master, look at the fig tree that you cursed. It's withered away. And what did Jesus say? What's the first things that he said to him? He says, now, Peter, have faith in God. What's the lesson? Do you see how the Lord was teaching his disciples something? He wanted to put a spiritual truth in. What a day this was to go to Jerusalem. What a lesson to be learned as you're going with the Lord. You start out in the morning thinking, heading to Jerusalem. It's going to be amazing to see the temple. He curses a fig tree, brings them down to Jerusalem. He wrecks the house. Jesus wrecked the place. 
And then all the power of God was let loose in that house. The cripples were healed. The lame were walking. The blind were seeing. And they were filled the whole house of Jerusalem. What a day. What a praise service that was. And now they're walking out of Jerusalem. It was a whole day because it says it was evening. It must have been a revival of revivals. And now they're walking up the road. And Peter's going, Lord, the big tree. Haven't you cursed them? No one said, yes. He said, now Peter, have faith in God. What was he showing them? What was he teaching them? He was telling them that there's a faith that wasn't in that temple. But there's a faith that you can have and a faith that I can have. And this is what he said. For I say unto you. Now Peter you listen to me. I'm saying this unto you. That whosoever shall say unto this mountain. Be thou removed. And be thou cast into the sea. And you will not doubt in his heart. But you shall believe those things. Which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. He said Peter. And there's a lovely song you can speak to the mountain. It's a beautiful song that Gillian shared with us a while ago. But it's such a precious song. But you know what he's saying? He's just spoke to a tree. Now you know in our day, anyone standing talking to a tree, you would think there's something not right. But now Jesus is saying, I want you to speak to the mountain. Many people got mountains. I tell you, we have mountains. I mean, friends, this morning... We have mountains. We have mountains of religion in this town. We have mountains of, of, of immorality. We have mountains of suicide. We have mountains drug addicts. We have mountains of, of depression. Depression sweeping over this nation like never before. In, in the world and in the church of Jesus Christ. It's so real. Friends, it's not, it's not just a figment of people's imagination. There's a battle. There's a darkness. There's a cloud. There's the spirit of Antichrist. There's the trials. There's all the shakings of this world that are sweeping in over this world. And Jesus is saying, now you look at me. I want to say something to you. You speak to the mountain. You take your authority. You have faith in God. He says, whatever things you believe in your heart and you do not doubt, it shall come to pass. What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them. What is he saying? You shall have them. Come on, friends, this morning I know that we're pushing a bit of the boundaries here because there's a lot of theology starts to sweep in straight away. There's a lot of personal experience. But let me tell you, friends, personal experience can never dilute God's Word. Listen to me, friends. It can never dilute the Word of God. I tell you, we know you all, all of us have been through some terrible times, some deep trials, some great disappointments. But I've never said once that what we have gone through ever dilutes what he says. I still believe what this book says, friends, no matter what we've gone through. Because he's still God and he's sovereign above it all. But he says, you have faith in God. He says, I want you to speak to your mountain. Think about it this morning, friends. We're closing now. Speak to your mountain. Have faith in me, Peter. But you speak to that mountain. Anybody got a mountain? Anybody got mountains? <laughs> Loads them, somebody says. 
He says, listen, Peter, I'm trying to show you something today. I'm trying to teach you something of faith. And friends, I've preached faith a lot in the last number of weeks because I know God's trying to get something into me. And he's probably trying to get a whole lot out of me too. But I want to tell you, friend, I do thank God for yesterday. I thank God for yesterday's healings. I thank God for yesterday's blessings. I thank God for yesterday's provision. We're sitting in a miracle this morning. I thank God for it. People get all religious about that and say, well, I'm not sure where we should thank God. I thank God this morning. Fifteen years ago, have you ever told me that we'd be sitting in a place like this with absolutely no debt and God paid for it all? I'm going to tell you something. I'd say, well, I'm not too sure why that could happen, but God's done it. God's done it. I know it's God that's done it and to Him be the glory. And we have to thank Him. Let me tell you this morning, we're coming to a close. Jesus is trying to teach us something, isn't he? He's trying to show us something. He takes them on a whole day's journey to bring them back to that tree. Peter stands there saying, the tree, no fruit. Dead, actually it dried up to the roots, it's gone. What's he saying? Jesus is saying this. I'm not interested in religion. You can create your own religion if you want. You can run your own track. You can do your own thing. You can claim whatever you want to claim. You can be whatever denomination you want to be. But I want to tell you something. Jesus is saying, you put your faith in me. You break all those chains of religion and all the fears of men and everything of that. Because then you just turn around to that mountain and you say, in the name of Jesus, be removed. Friends, listen. This is the faith in the house, in his house. This is why judgment must begin at the house of God. And when it begins, God will do a wonderful work. He'll cleanse the house and he'll cleanse the hearts. It ends, and I'm not skipping over it. It may be easy to, but I'm not because all of what he says is important. He says, now listen when you're praying. See if you have a heart against your brother or your sister. You make sure before you do that, you get that right. What's he said there? He said, because there's only one thing that's going to hinder my power, really. It's not your weakness, it's not your frailty, it's not that you can't pray out, it's not that you're not a great singer, you can't pray. None of those things has nothing to do with it. What he said, the thing that really would just hold back my power moving is a heart that's holding something against a brother or a sister, something slipped in. Something's just come in there that shouldn't be there. I mean, let me tell you something. This happened to us all. Listen, it's happened to us all. What he said is, if you really want to see my power move, and many people do, I know we do. I tell you, friends, we're going to see a revival in Bowen Hinch. Amen. I know there's only three said amen, but I don't really care, but I want to see a revival in Bowen Hinch. There's going to be a move of God. There's going to be the blind and the lame coming through the doors. Listen, friend, if God took me home today, rest assured, there's going to be a revival in Balnehinch. Because it's not so much what I think, but it's what the Holy Ghost has planted in this heart. He planted it in a wee heart of Will and Lyon and Malcolmson 50 years ago. He planted it in the hearts of many other people that come through this town of Balnehinch. He's confirmed it. Of prophecy after prophecy. I've met men that tried the holy missions here. Nothing happened but a prophetic vision came forth. 
and said that there would be a pebble dropping into a pond and the ripples would go out if be a revival in this town. Friends, let me tell you something. That's God's vision. And so if God takes me home, he buries his workmen, but his work's going to go on. But one day there's going to be a revival in Bound the Hinge. You gotta have faith in God. You gotta have faith in God. But your heart has to be right. Your heart has to be right. And then as God begins to pull away all the apparatus, oh, isn't it easy to build up the apparatus? Isn't it so easy to build up apparatus? And God's saying, time to pull all that down. For the time has come. The judgment must begin at the house of God. Let me tell you something. I don't fear my Father, my Heavenly Father, chastising me because He loves me. Yeah. I remember years ago when I was in trouble with my dad. I knew I was getting a wailing when I went in. And I know He told me He loved me and it didn't feel like He loved me. I can tell you that. But I know He did. He provided for us because He's my Father. And how much more my Heavenly Father? To chastise his children, what for? So that he can move in all his glory and all his power. Amen. I tell you, friends, why would we limit the Holy One of Israel? I have not seen their ears heard, but the Lord has prepared for them that love him. He will do exceedingly, don't we know all these verses? Exceedingly above, more than what we can think or ask. That's the days I want to be in. That's what we want to see. Hearts have to be right. But I want to speak the mountains. Yeah. Are you going to speak the mountains? Yeah. I want to speak to the mountains. Have faith in God. Let's stand together this morning.